Good evening, Jets fans. I am Glenn Naughton. This is Jet Nation Radio. Thank you, as usual, for tuning in. Uh, very happy to be uh, a Jets fan at the moment. I mean, let's let's face it. Uh, coming off of a 29-22 loss to the Houston Texans, but I personally cannot remember the last time Jets fans had this much reason to be excited following a loss. This this really, for for a lot of reasons, as many people have said on you know Twitter and on the forums on JetNation.com, which if you are not a member of at this point, I don't know why, but you need to be. Go to JetNation.com, log into the forums, and uh, chip in your two cents on any given topic. There's uh, always some good debate going on. But listen, the Jets went into into this game in position to secure a top five pick. And an opportunity for St. Arnold to go out there and face one of the better front seven in the NFL. And one more, I mean, you guys watch the game. I don't know what more Sam Darnold could have done in this game to convince people that he, he's gonna he's gonna be the real deal. That he he has arrived, so to speak. The mobility that he showed in in escaping heavy pressure in the pocket several times, which it was expected. Listen, I don't want to hear about this old line was bad against this team. This is JJ wanting Jadavion Clowney. These guys are gonna combine for you know twenty plus sacks just about every year that the two of them are on the field and healthy. And I think they're already over the 20 sack mark with a couple games to go. So you knew that Clowney and Watt were going to be, <clears throat> were going to be a duo to tango with up front. And while they were, consistently evading pressure, it throws, at multiple levels, he finishes the day statistically not his best game. I mean, not, not a bad game. Despite a few drops, a couple touchdowns, no interceptions. He was sacked three times. He picked up 35 yards on the ground using his legs. But, folks, some of these throws we saw from Sam Darnold, unbelievable. He had the ball where he was rolling hard to his left under heavy pressure, kind of slings it sidearm to Robbie Anderson down the left sideline. Robbie Anderson makes a great leaping catch, comes down, toe tap, stays in bounds. My favorite play, I think, was the was Donald rolling to his right and hitting hitting Chris Herndon, dropping a ball in perfectly between three defenders, had just the right amount of touch right there between the three guys into into. Chris Herndon's hands. I mean, some of the throws were, as I said, just you kind of watch the game. And even even when things weren't going well, I know for me anyway, I was just smiling. I didn't care what the damn scoreboard said. I'm watching this guy make these plays that I, I can't remember the last time the Jets had a quarterback who made plays like this. You know, even when you had... Bums under center that the Jets have had over the years, who had their who had good moments. 
I don't, I don't remember seeing plays like this. Geno Smith had some good games. He he didn't make these plays. Mark Sanchez had some good games. I don't remember him throwing the ball with that much velocity on the move that accurately. Just it's it's just not something Jets fans have seen. And Sam Darnold, folks, I mean, there there are still some you know a few people in denial of this. There are still some who who for reasons that I will never be able to comprehend. Uh, there, there are people that are still not happy uh, with the fact that the Jets, for example, uh, passed on Deshaun Watson a couple of years ago in the draft. Who, by the way, uh, to the Jets having a far superior supporting cast to what Sam Darnold has. Sam Darnold doesn't have DeAndre Hopkins. Sam Darnold has a listen. And Robbie Anderson talked about this after the game. Robbie Anderson, for all the talk about him being a one-trick pony, um, this is the second week in a row now that we've seen Robbie Anderson get open on multiple different routes. We saw him. We saw him come up with a catch on a hitch. We saw him run a dig over the middle. We saw him run. We we saw him come up with a couple catches, at least one on a comeback. Last week, when he had a catch, he had a catch on a corner route, slant route. Basically, put put it this way: since Sam Darnold got back under center a couple weeks ago, he's been back two games now. In those two games, Robbie Anderson's got 11 catches for 172 yards and a couple touchdowns, and not not one of those has been on a go route. I saw somebody describe his the corner route that he ran against Buffalo as a go route. That was a corner route. Uh, now, of course, Robbie Anderson game, 4th and 14. Donald rolled left, made another fantastic throw. Got a lot of, had a lot of mustard on it. And uh, Robbie Anderson couldn't hold on to what was definitely a catchable ball. So fans will obsess over that. I get it. But the bottom line is that this guy, Robbie Anderson was already a dangerous guy when he was just a deep threat. But now we're seeing him over the last couple weeks expand that route tree. And, and that's only going to put more stress on the defense when you can't just, you know, as said past, you know, people would say he only runs go routes. You know, sometimes it's hyperbole. Sometimes you're just an idiot. And you don't really pay very close attention. All you watch is the highlights. And all you see him running on the highlights is, is goes. But the line is that the amount of pressure he put on defense is when, when he was running primarily go routes because it was his best route, as I've said that before as well. But now we're seeing a lot more out of him just over the last few weeks. Not not that he hasn't run these routes before, but I can't remember we saw this much variety um, from Robbie Anderson. Not just that he's running these routes, but he was getting open. So, that's, I mean, that's a huge development. There's a reason why the Jets turned down the Eagles when the Eagles called the Jets and offered a draft pick for Robbie Anderson. Mike McCagnan said that developing Sam Darnold was going to be the priority. So they, they weren't going to part with Robbie Anderson, who they thought could be a good weapon for, for Sam Darnold moving forward. If these two are, in fact, going to continue to build their build chemistry and do it in a way that, that puts a lot of stress on defenses, then it's, it's a win-win for the Jets. But so, so now here we sit, two weeks left in the year. The Jets currently own the number three pick 
in the draft, three or four, number four pick in the draft, Sam Darnold, over the last two weeks, two weeks ago against Buffalo, as we said on this show, when you the opponent, top secondary in the NFL, the conditions on the road in the cold, hostile environment, down big early on, that, that was Sam Darnold's best game as a pro as, up until that day. And now he comes out against the Texans, and the number of plays he makes with his legs, escaping pressure, accurate throws on the move, I think that's, that's the better game now. And so now each of his last two games, that was his best game. The following week, now that's his best game. So we're seeing that sort of late season improvement that we'd hoped for. I know for me personally, I said as, as the season began, uh, that I was probably looking forward to the, the final eight games more than the first eight games because I wanted to see that improvement. Now, of course, um, Sam Donald missed a month with a foot injury. Thank you, Todd Bowles. So that, that kind of curtailed this a little bit, but still two games left. And in those two games, hopefully we, we get to see like can we Deontay Burnett, please? Kevin Field? I mean, listen, we saw we get into this a little bit, but maybe as well talk about the effort or or thereof from Jermaine Curse on that final drive. I mean, here were the Jets down twenty nine twenty two just a week after Sam Donald led them on a game winning drive in the fourth quarter, had a chance to march down the field. First play from scrimmage on the Jets' final drive. Darnold throws a bullet over the middle to Jermaine Curse, who is running alongside a Houston defender. The defender has his back completely to the ball, has no idea where it is. All Jermaine Curse has to do is put on the brakes, pull up, and make the catch with a defender behind him. For, for reasons that only Jermaine Curse will ever know, he decides to continue running with the defender and hit the defender in the back of the head for an incomplete pass. And if you don't think Sam Donald was upset about that, go go back and watch that play again and watch Sam Donald's reaction to Jermaine Curse just letting that ball hit a defender in the back of the head instead of putting on the brakes and, and pulling in a big catch to start the drive, put the Jets in prime position to, 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 to get moving down the field to score. That was a terrible effort by Jermaine Curse. He needs to be benched. He should be benched. He punched. However, that doesn't mean we won't see Deontay Burnett because the Jets did place Rashard Matthews on the third with a hamstring injury. He might be a, a bigger part of this offense when he was added. He's a, he's a proven veteran who's a pretty good player. Uh, finishes the season with two catches for 13 yards as a Jet. Fantastic. So Richard, Richard's out here. And uh, Jermaine Curse doesn't feel like playing football anymore. So you'd hope we get to see a little bit, little bit of Deontay Burnett. Whether or not we do remains to be seen. But this is a guy that, as we've talked, talked about before, Guy who Sam Donald has some chemistry with, played with him in, in college at USC, uh, put up big numbers with Burnett at USC, 
and the Jets will hopefully incorporate him a little bit over these final two games. But as I would say, what I'm talking about for me personally, how how excited I am for this team now moving forward with Sam Donald, the quarterback. Clearly, he looks like he's the guy. I mean, yes, it is early. We've seen quarterbacks have early success and then fizzle out. Anything's possible. But with this kid, looking at what he's doing for being 21 years old um, and not having a ton to work with on offense, he doesn't, you know, I'm not going to get into it again. He doesn't, not surrounded by no talent, um, as, you know, some onlookers and, and people who pay attention to this team um, tend to say. I won't say fans, but people who pay attention to this team and say that uh, that Robbie Anderson has no talent and Chris Herndon has no talent. And, of course, Quincy Anunwa was out. Um, he didn't play. But um, Jermaine, Jermaine Curse has talent. We saw that last year. He just doesn't feel like playing right now. So that's that's kind of a that 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 stings a little bit because if you had that you know things might look a little bit differently for Sam Donald right now in terms of the number of reliable targets he has to throw to, and Quincy Noonan did miss practice today, so who knows if he's going to be able to go? There is it was news. Speaking of guys who who might not be able to go, uh, Brandon Shell, right tackle. I believe it was Spencer Long felt came down on on Shell the back of Shell's leg, and now the Jets are saying that Brandon Shell is going on IR. He's not going to be able to. Uh, he's not going to be seen again this year. And uh, Jeremiah Atochu also goes to IR. He was uh he was he was slowed down with a concussion. So the Jets Shell and and Atochu. To IR, Anthony Wint, the inside linebacker, who had himself a nice camp. He gets activated. He, he's on the active roster. And the Jets also added tackle Eric Smith from the New England Patriots. And he's a guy who uh, played, played right tackle, played a little bit of left tackle in college. Some people projected him as a guard. He played guard at the Senior Bowl. Didn't have the best showing. But after, uh, you know, a, a year nearly a full year with the Pats. He spent some time with the Dolphins as well on their practice squad. But he's basically a 6'4", 300-pound guy who, according to scouting reports anyway, has excellent feet and uh, should be nimble enough to play a little bit on the outside. So we'll, we'll see where that goes. We'll see if he gets on the field because, let's face it, uh, Brent Quale, nice guy, you know, rotational lineman, that's fine. But he's not going to be much more than that. So do they look at Smith this week and say, you know, let's see how he looks in practice and maybe get him some reps. Uh, may not even be worth it at this point, really, or it may not be realistic, I should say. Uh, as we know, as we've talked about, a lot of these young guys, you know, the Derek Joneses of the world, the Deontay Barnetts, they don't get a lot of playing time or any playing time. Perry Nickerson, uh, Fulleranzo Fadakasi, uh, Todd Bowles doesn't seem to have a whole lot of, you know, you get to ask about it. It's it's a funny thing. I don't know why the media, they, they come across as a little bit scared, but sometimes they'll ask Todd Bowles a question, you know, are you going to play some younger guys? And Todd Bowles just says, I played everything with nothing to do. Like, no one ever says, what about Derek Jones? What about Perry Nickerson? What about Fadakasi? What about Burnett? 
you know, Deontay Barnett. And no one ever mentions all the guys that aren't playing. They just go, okay, okay, Todd. Everybody get that, guys? Todd said he's playing, everybody. Like, no, he's not. <laughs> but they just, they don't follow it up. They just go, okay. Got it. We'll, we'll tweet that out to the fans. Todd Bowles is playing, everybody. Um, so, weird thing. You're passing it. Like, I'm going to ask him why he's not playing the young guys. And when he says he is, I'm just going to stop there and not point out the fact that there are several young guys who are not playing. But the young guys, <laughs> that really, they're the reason why Jets fans should be pretty excited right now. Because, you know, as, as I mentioned, Sam Darnold, you know, ascending. Looks like he's going to be the guy. Robbie Anderson, commanded route tree. Henry Anderson. How about Henry Anderson? Henry Anderson. D lineman Henry Anderson. The Jets get him from the Colts for a seventh rounder. Get himself a few sacks the other day. Three sacks of Deshaun Watson. That gives him six on the year. He's just been a stellar guy all season. He's a, he's had a few weeks where he disappears a little bit, but I think you're going to get that with the with you know your your 300 pound lineman, you know, uh, uh, except those guys that are the among the elite. Anderson is not. Um, what Henry Anderson is 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 pretty damn good, and I'll take that for a seventh round pick. So he's got his six sacks. Jordan Jenkins gets his seven. Nobody's talking about this. Jordan Jenkins got his seventh sack of the year. That's a pretty damn good year for a guy who's primarily a run stopper. That's a career high for him. I mean, hell, his career high was once he got the three or four. That was his career high. Now he seems to be getting one every couple weeks. Would love to see him get like a late push here. You know, pick up two this week, one next week, or just see him find a way to get to 10. I don't know how realistic, realistic that is if you're playing the Patriots in week uh, week 17. Because unless you get three this week, Tom Brady just gets rid of the ball so damn quick. He's a tough guy to get to. But either way, Jordan Jenkins, you know, again, he's not he's not Von Miller. He's not Khalil Mack by any stretch. But if he can become this guy, and this is kind of said a few times, I think that with a better secondary, he can be a six to eight sack a year guy. And uh, right now he's at seven and would love to see him rack up a few more in the final three games and get him get to ten. You know, it, it's window dressing, you know. Uh, to a degree, because he's never he's not going to be a ten sack a year guy. But if he, if he if he can get knock on the door ten, I don't I don't think anybody will complain about that. But I'm sorry, I apologize. Tons of people would complain about that. As I said earlier, people are still complaining that they don't have that this team doesn't have Deshaun Watson. People are still crying about that. Oh God, it, it, there's nothing you can do. So these people they need they need professional help. Um, but again, Jenkins played well. We mentioned Chris Herndon. He did a really nice job the other day. Uh, I don't know why this guy doesn't get targeted more. Hopefully next year with the new coaching staff, they'll make him a bigger part of the offense. Because uh, let's face it, the, the guy, when they get the ball near him, he's just a damn good player. And, he, you know, there was Jamal Adams, another strong performance for him. I saw PFF Jets tweeted out that he was the – Number two rated defender for the team this week at 83. 83.0 rating. For for the Pro Bowler, Jamal Adams. Jamal Adams is going to the Pro Bowl. He said after last season that he would never miss another Pro Bowl. And uh, so far he's one for one. 
you know, you got to talk to the guy. He did a lot of talking this offseason. A lot. Like, too much even for even as even even as someone sitting here saying he backed it up, he talked a lot. But I'm glad he backed it up. I'm glad he's a jet. I'm glad so many people were wrong about him. So many people people are still wrong about him. You still have Jets fans calling this guy a box safety. I don't I don't follow other teams' fan bases, but there can't be another fan team as much as some Jets fans do. It's crazy. People hate Sam Donald. Well, they, they don't hate Sam Donald. They they hate the fact that it's not Deshaun Watson. And they hate the fact that it was Jamal Adams. Like, I, I watched Deshaun Watson the other day. And he's a good player. Don't get me wrong. But the number of times that dude held onto the ball for what seemed like forever. And and really struggled to beat a, a, a four-win team. A bit. He had a scratch and claw to win that game. And he just kept getting sacked. And part of it was that he was holding on to the ball too long. And I'm watching Sam Darnold run around, run around the field, throwing these darts with, with, without the weapons that Watson had. And I'm watching Jamal Adams sack him for a 13-yard loss. And I'm literally sitting there thinking, there are Jets fans that are still pissed off and Sam Darnold are on the Jets instead of Deshaun Watson. Like some people, people have like PTSD over this over this Jamal Adams draft pick. Like they they just can't get over the fact that Mike McCagnan passed on Deshaun Watson. Never mind the fact that he got a quarterback who may very well be better. And by not getting Deshaun Watson, got himself a, a, a Pro Bowl safety. And, and by the way. Positional value. He doesn't have the positional value. Why did you take a safety in that spot? You can't have it both ways. Because I know what I've been hearing for years now from Jets fans. Especially when when Gronk was blowing up. and, and, uh, And Jimmy Graham was blowing up. Everybody was talking about how with the evolution of the passing game. And these big game-breaking tight ends. He was going to be the new cornerback. Teams were eating eating you alive right down the middle of the field. Instead of that great corner, you were going to need a safety to shut down these tight ends because this was this is how the game was evolving. And you better be able to keep up because if you don't have a safety who can cover these tight ends, you're just going to they're just going to kill you all day down the middle of the field. This is what I was hearing, and it was, and it was accurate. It was true. Tight end never done before in this league. Then the Jets go out, and they get a guy because they think he can do those things and shut down opposing tight ends. And everyone gets pissed off because he's not a corner. He's not a premium position. He doesn't play corner. He's not a pass rusher. Look at the numbers. He plays free safety. He plays nickel corner. He rushes the quarterback off the edge. He stuffs the run in the box. He does everything. They just literally got to do it on defense. Who can do everything. And people are upset. Because he's listed as a safety. 
Ignore the fact that he plays slot corner. Ignore the fact that he plays rush linebacker. Ignore the fact that he plays free safety. I still see people call this guy a boxing. I don't know that you can be a bigger idiot. I really don't. Did Jamal Adams have some hiccups as a rookie? Shocking. Yes, he did. Newsflash. Players don't peak their rookie year. Sometimes they get better over time. We saw that this year with Darren Lee. We saw that this year with Jamal Adams. Players get better sometimes. Arnold's going to get her. This isn't the guy. This isn't the best of Sam Darnold. I freaking hope not. This isn't the best of Sam Darnold. He's going to get better. Players improve. Not always. But to these morons who have spent over a year ripping this team for drafting Jamal Adams, even after they got Sam Darnold, today. I see people ripping Mike McCagnin for not drafting Deshaun Watson, for not drafting Patrick Mahomes. And you know what? Listen, these are, these are damn good quarterbacks, okay? There are people right now making the case that Patrick Mahomes might be the best quarterback in the NFL. Even in his losses, 40-39. You know, he's putting up these crazy numbers every week. And it's like, all right, you get it. That, you know, probably would have been nice to have that guy on your roster. Are we going to sit here and pretend that a bunch of teams who also could have used Patrick Mahomes didn't screw up by passing on him? Why 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 do fans have this obsession? Jets fans have this obsession. McCagnin has to be the guy to get ripped for Penn He's arguably the best quarterback in the NFL right now. Then outside of two or three teams in the NFL, anybody could have used him. Anybody. Look at the teams that passed on him. Instead of just picking on one person that passed on him. The Browns passed on him when they didn't have anybody. The Browns chose Mitchell Trubisky over him, who's having a good year. But again, right now, Player. The Niners passed on him. Is Jimmy Garoppolo better than Patrick Mahomes? The Jacksonville Jaguars, who have Tom Coughlin in their front office. Mighty Don Idzik. They took a running back, and they went with Blake Bortles over Patrick Mahomes. They had Blake Bortles. And, and that's what Doug Marone, the genius that the Jets were so they had Marone in that front office. They had the genius John Idzik. They had Tom Coughlin, multiple-time Super Bowl winner. And they opted to go with Blake Bortles over Patrick Mahomes. Who else passed on him? The Titans? Is Marcus Mariota better than Patrick Mahomes? I don't think so. You could make a case for the Chargers. Right? Phillip Rivers, he's an elite guy. But he's also... Maybe you draft Mahomes, you sit him for a couple years. The Panthers, Cam's not going anywhere. Cam Newton wasn't that he's not replaced. The case 
that Mahomes is the better player. Cincinnati is, is Andy Dalton that untouchable? Should should he not have been picked by the Bengals instead of a wide receiver? And John Ross, who's got 200 yards in his first two seasons. All those teams passed on Patrick Mahomes. All those teams passed on Deshaun Watson. But only one of those teams followed it up. Well, you could argue Cleveland followed it up by getting a franchise guy the next season. Not just franchise guy, but arguably the best quarterback in the draft. And of course, you know, listen, Cleveland went with ba- with Baker Mayfield, who I liked a lot. And Donald are going to be good players. But I think by and large, outside of Cleveland, Sam Donald was the number one quarterback in this draft. So that one year, and they draft a Pro Bowl safety who can play all over the field, who can get to the quarterback. 12 passes defended for Jamal Adams this year, by the way. So they get they, they get a they get a, a chess piece safety who anywhere who's got three and a half sacks nine for loss eight quarterback hits he's go to the Pro Bowl and then you pair him you know he's he's going to be the leader on your defense for years to come and then you get Sam Darn. Watson. I mean, I, can't, I don't. I don't know what to say when, when you're that upset because because it, it's at the point. Like if you can't look at the situation and go, you know what? This actually worked out pretty well for the Jets. This actually worked out pretty well. We got a we got a Pro Bowl Swiss Army knife safety and one of the best young quarterbacks in the NFL on the roster. Things could have been a lot worse than this. Instead of doing that, it's crying about the guy you didn't get, who might not be as good as the guy you did get. But it's it's all because people are more worried about being right, about hating the GM, than they are about watching the team succeed. If you spent enough time ripping every move Mike McCagden makes, you're so deeply invested in that that you can't sit back and go, you know what, it, this actually worked out okay for the Jets. And you know what, they actually have a pass-catching tight end now. And you know what, they have a guy who can get to the quarterback a little bit. They still need an improvement there. <laughs> we, we don't want I don't see the Jets in them. But would I like to take Bosa? Hell yeah. So we got a pass catching tight end. We got a wide receiver that we see getting better every day. We got a quarterback who's who's ascending. Now the O line with the Brandon Shell injury. That one hurts. No denying that. Brian Winters probably hangs around. Spent look, Spencer Long had an okay game at left guard again the other day. Not great, not dominant. But he played well enough that you can look at him and say, you know, you you can you can he can be your left guard next year. That doesn't have to be a huge priority to upgrade. Doesn't mean they shouldn't or won't, but it just means if they don't, that's that's not a huge deal. 
that's not a that that's not the end of the world. Main Johnson, another player. Not he's not a young guy, but my goodness, you forgot he was team. Honestly, the way Todd Bowles ran things this week, uh, he had his he had his number two corner following the other team's number one receiver. Um, refused to give him any help. And we've seen this a lot from the Bulls in the past. But we've seen this a ton. We saw him do it at that, that Buffalo game that I've talked about a million times, week 17 in Todd Bowles' first season. Wouldn't double Sammy Watkins. Sammy Watkins ate the Royal Revis alive all day. No help. Um, week one the following season, A.J. Green ate the Royal Revis alive. I don't remember any double teams then. It's, it's, it's been a trend with Todd Bowles for a while now. Uh, for some reason, he doesn't believe he has to double team another team's receiver. And we saw it this week as well on the other side of the ball where J.J. Watt uh, was felt like he was given a free run at Sam Donald a few times. Far too many times for my liking. I saw Brent Qualley out there trying to block J.J. Watt on his own. And uh, he got away with some holds, folks. Stop Sam Donald from getting killed. I can't. I can't get mad at Brent Quale. He's. Uh, I can get mad at Todd Bowles for not double teaming JJ Watt. But again, that's not Todd Bowles' thing. He doesn't believe you have to double team JJ Watt. He doesn't believe you have to double team DeAndre Hopkins. He just thinks it is. I don't know what the hell he thinks, and it doesn't matter what he thinks because honestly, he's got two weeks left, and then he's gone on his way out. Trenton Cannon. Wanted to bring him up because uh, I'll tell you what, like I said a few minutes ago, talking about how you don't give up on guys too early because players can improve. We saw it in camp. I said it in camp. I said it a few times this season. That dude can just fly. Trent Cannon is so fast that I want to see this. I want to see them work with this guy for give him two or three years. And if things don't work out, fine. But this team is in no position to give up on this guy. Not a guy who was this. You get to see it on punt coverage. And he did a nice job at that this week as well. He's been up and down with that this year. I feel like, you know, week sort of three, four through seven or eight, he made some big plays on special teams. And then he kind of fizzled out. And you didn't really, he had some boneheaded plays, bumped the ball into the end zone type of rookie stuff. And now the last few weeks we're seeing it again. First guy down the field making tackles, and he just his speed is off the charts. And when you have a guy you can run, you know, who comes from a small program, he's a guy who's worth sticking with and trying to get him to develop because he's the type of guy, you know, that that that's his speed. That's the guy who can do a lot of things well, or again potentially, will be able to do a lot of things really well. And. Aside from some kids. And, you know, you know, we just talked about he's a guy that they've been receiving, he's used him as a back. They may, you know, I would expect next year he'll get another look as a punt turner. That's something he might be able to do. Where, by the way, the Jets have another special team or another star, uh, pro bowler, team Roberts. Uh, returning kicks and punts, and Jason Myers as well. 
uh, Jets kicker, 31 for 33 on field goals this season, five out of six on kicks from, or sorry, six out of seven, I believe, on kicks from the longer. So a nice job there. Three Pro Bowlers total. And talking about, you know, Eli McGuire, just, I'm just, just looking at these, looking, looking forward and reasons to be optimistic because that's, I think that's what these last few weeks have to be about. Yes, this team lost again. Yes, they blew another lead. That's what they do under Todd Bowles. We know that he's gone. He's on his way out. You know, the time to start looking forward at what pieces they're going to be able to build around. Uh, you know, that now is the time to do that. McGuire's another guy. He had another decent run this week. But that, listen, this O-line, and I said it last week, as much as I said that the pass blocking would be better than most people thought, the, uh, the run blocking has just been so bad that these guys can't get anything going. Um, so that's why I think a guy like McGuire is tough to evaluate. A guy like Cannon is tough to evaluate. But I think what we see of McGuire, because of the, he will consistently get the most out of what you give him. If you give him a little bit of room, he'll 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 get you you know seven yards. You know he'll he'll make some plays given the opportunities. I think he's a smart back. I think hopefully uh, he'll be uh, somebody's backup next year. Maybe a Le'Veon Bell, who I know a lot of Jets fans are against bringing in. I was against it initially, but the more I've looked at it and thought about it and just being objective, it's, you know, the, the bottom line is that you have a young quarterback who needs some weapons around him, and you've got over $100 million in cap space. Signing Le'Veon Bell to a front-loaded deal does absolutely zero damage to this team's potential to compete. All he does is help it. The year off will only be that much better for him in terms of how much longer he can play at a high level. So I'm not, uh, by no stretch of the imagination, am I looking at this as a, a guy who they shouldn't go get. I know Manish Mehta has been very vocal about the fact that he should be a top priority for the Jets. I tend to agree. Backfield because they can both catch the ball. Um, and that's, you know, you have multiple backs who are all multidimensional. It just gives you the opportunity to to do a lot more on offense. You don't have those giveaways. You don't have, you know, back in the days that you know sending Chris Ivory out there. Now that everyone in the world knows it's it's either a run play or or Ivory's going to be the fourth or fifth guy, the fourth or fifth option on a pass play. Guys like McGuire, or you know, I'm not saying they're similar players in, in ability in terms of Bell and McGuire, but McGuire they're they're both guys who make you have to respect the run and the pass. So that, you know, bringing in a guy like that, bringing in a guy who uh, who can be that much difference here, I don't see how a lot of folks who don't like, who don't like when this GM does things that work out. Um, I, still, I still see people talking about Christian Hackenberg. I still see people talking about Lorenzo Alden. I see people talking about Devin Smith. And it, it's it's... I mean, listen, he, the big, the biggest thing with Mike McCagnan that I've noticed, or at least, you know, when people spar back and forth about whether he belongs or not, and this happened with – for some reason, people get in their heads when, when they don't like someone that's affiliated with this team. They, they get these they, – they make these wild assumptions and accusations that are so nonsensical. 
that it's hard to take them seriously, or you can't take them seriously. I remember when Rex Ryan was on his way out, or when he got fired, there were Jets fans literally saying, Mike Pettin carried defense. Rex Ryan knows nothing about football. Like, you couldn't be a bigger dummy. Uh, Mike McCagnan. When, when Mike McCagnan drafted Leonard Williams, it was the easiest pick in the world, and he didn't deserve credit for it because it was such it was such a slam-dunk easy pick that, that my grandmother could have made it, blah, 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 blah. And now that Leonard Williams is struggling, all of a sudden, oh, why did he pick Leo? That was such a bad pick. It's like, wait, when Leo was in the Pro Bowl, Mike McCagney got no credit. Granted, it was alternate. I get it. Still. When Leo was in a Pro Bowl, everybody said, well, that was, it was just too easy. You can't miss on a pick. You can't miss the sixth pick. You can't miss. He doesn't get any credit for that. And now that Leo's struggling, oh, even that pick was stupid, too. It's the narrative. Mike McCagney, I've heard Mike McCagney, I've heard people say Mike McCagney has done a worse job than Todd Bowles. Like the fact that Mike McCagney got Sam Darnold, just that one move alone by itself, overrides anything Todd Bowles has done since getting here. And then, and then anything else is gravy. Todd Bowles, I, I, you can't tell me a thing he's done well. Mike McC- hey, Henry Anderson. Got him for a seventh. Robbie. Chris Herndon. Brandon Shell. Jordan Jenkins. Sam Darnold. Have there been a lot have there been a lot of misses? There, there sure have. And look, Darren Lee. Idiot move by him. Going out using drugs. Getting busted. Getting suspended. Listen, if there was no background work, they investigate these players. If they had no reason to believe Darren Lee was a drug user. I'm not putting that on the team. So I, I say it all the time. Injuries, if a guy gets hurt and never had major injuries in college, it, stuff happens. You don't know how these guys' bodies are going to react to being hit in the NFL for the first time. Some guys hold up, some don't. Look, it's May. He's a question mark right now because of his health. But his ability to play, play ball? Look, if Marcus May get healthy and can play he has in the 22 plays played in Jesus. A fantastic secondary. Two great players back there. So yeah, May, Adams, Lee, Jenkins, Darnold, Shell, Anderson, Anderson, McGuire, and, and looking at it this year, and uh, you know, I've said it before, I've said it on a few shows, Jordan Leggett, I want to see more of him. If, look, you can't be if you can't be excited about Darnold and a hundred million cap room, and and some of the things they've seen from these other young guys. I could imagine? I could imagine having that, that of, of an outlook. I can imagine being such a miserable being. Look at the cap room quarterback. The, the the you know the things we talked about Jamal Adams. If you look at all those things and you're still unhappy about this team, I can't imagine the, the level of misery that you surround yourself with. I, if you're if you're if you're telling me you're unhappy that this team has Sam Darnold and a hundred million dollars that are emerging, and a, and a stud on defense who's the new face of the team or the new face of the defense, 
I'd, I'd rather I'd rather hang out with Ray Rice in an elevator than somebody who thinks that way. I'd rather if if I'm going to go clubbing, I would rather go with Aaron Hernandez than to go with you. If 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 you can't get excited about this team and the direction they're heading, and this is not to say Mike McCagnan is perfect because Mike McCagnan, we talk. I've talked on this show that Mike McCagnan needs to show some backbone and take his guys because I, I I when you look at some of the picks he's made. I said it at the time, that Dylan Donahue pick, and I addressed this on the show a few weeks ago, I have no doubt that was Mike McCagney trying to appease Kevin Green and just trying to defer to his football guys. Because I, I remember that post-draft show. I came on this show with Joe. I, 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 West Georgia. There's not a lot of film on this guy. I didn't read a thing about the guy heading into the draft. I don't know anything about him, but, but, but I'll believe in Kevin Green on this one. Because this pick has Kevin Green's fingerprints all over it. And then we heard from Manish Mehta a couple weeks ago saying that the Ardarius Stewart pick was a favor to John Morton. John Morton was adamant that he wanted Ardarius Stewart. So Mike McCagnan made that pick. Mike McCagnan can't do that. I mean, of course, by all means, get let them be a part of the process. But you can't draft Ardarius Stewart if there's no plan for Ardarius Stewart. There, there have been misses, yes, absolutely. But flash, this is the problem. People are focusing on 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 where the misses are, and, and ignoring the fact that you know, Ozzie Newsom. I've talked about this before on the show. Ozzie Newsom, highly respected GM, arguably, you know, one of the best GMs ever to to, to hold a position in the NFL. How many how many quarterbacks did he draft before he finally got one? I looked this up once, and I I might be off by one or two, but basically between his time with the Browns and the Ravens, Joe Flacco was Ozzie Newsom's tenth quarterback. He missed on nine different guys, but for some reason, with Mike McCagnan, the fact that it took him three tries, Petty Petty and Petty was always a project, but look, he was a pick, he was a quarterback. Hackenberg, atrocious pick. There's there's no two ways about it. I mean that that Christian Hackenberg pick is right up there with the uh, Eric Mangini picking Vernon Golston. There's there's no I mean Golston is a worse pick because he was the sixth overall pick, right? I mean number six overall, and you don't get a sack. That to me that's worse than a second rounder who never sees the field because you went sixth. That game one day this week. I'm gonna play that game that all the all of the Mike McCagnan detractors play. I'm gonna look at every pick the Jets have made over the last couple of decades, and then find every player after that player who was drafted and was better, and then say, "Oh, look what an idiot this GM was. Look what a moron this guy was. How stupid was this dude?" Because that's what people like to do. For, for some reason, they do it uh, at a level with Mike McCagnan that I don't know that I've seen with another GM. Uh, but uh, we get better, and if and look if if picks if we don't see a strong class next year and more proof for UC picks, then absolutely you let Mike McCagnan you bring a, a GM who but who has uh, some level of comfort with the new coach. 
So it's not under, you know, broken marriage or, you know, a, a marriage that's doomed to fail. You bring somebody in who's familiar with, you know, who the new head coach is going to be. Listen, if they go big, if they get a guy like a Harbaugh, either one of them, Mike Agnan is probably looking at some type of a reduced role anyway. Or maybe you kick him upstairs, you make him executive of a football operation, something, you know, a Tom Coughlin-type title. And then it's a moot point. But if you bring in a Mike McCarthy, I, you know, I see these rumors that McCarthy wants to go to the Jets. The Jets want McCarthy. I don't know how much I believe this stuff. This, you know, this is media, media types trying to drum up, drum up interest in their stories, get clicks, whatever. I don't know that the Jets want Mike McCarthy. Honestly, I go back and forth on it. You know where I feel like I'm at with the Mike McCarthy situation? I feel the same way I felt with with the Geno Smith, the Ryan Fitzpatrick thing. Like, I wanted Fitz back because Geno was the alternative. And we had just come off of Sanchez. And we've had all these terrible quarterbacks. And it's like, you know what? Fitz isn't great. Jesus, he's not those guys. He brings, you know, he was coming off the 31 touchdowns. And you're like, he's a veteran who brings a little bit of stability to the position. Of course, that went down the tubes. But I see the same thing with Todd Bowles. We had Rex, who had the playoff wins, and that was great. But Rex fell apart late. Todd has been a mess from, you know, from the day he lost that game up in Buffalo. So many bad coaches previously. Eric Mangini starts, you know, starts the year 8-3, and three, falls apart down the stretch with a Hall of Fame quarterback under center. Like so many head coaches that just bomb and bomb and bomb and bomb. And I'm looking at Mike McCarthy and I'm thinking, he's probably, he might be the best head coach they've had in forever. But that doesn't mean you can't do better. So with McCarthy, I was 100% against it in the, in the start when he was first fired and people said, go get him. Now I would say I'm 85% against it. I still don't want him. He's still not my first choice, but I get, I understand the draw. I understand the attraction, you know, regardless of who his quarterback was, he did get a Super Bowl. You know, this is, this is a switcher, you know, who has a Super Bowl ring, but he did it with a team that won the Super Bowl the year before. And it was just loaded all of offense, defense. I mean, Hall of Famers all over that rock. That was a little bit different. Mike McCarthy had one guy. Well, had more than one guy, but you get what I'm saying. Aaron Rodgers carried that team. Mike McCarthy. I saw somebody mention Mike Shanahan earlier today. Are you kidding me? Mike Shanahan? How much does that team want Mike Shanahan to be the head coach? Do they need, I mean, you want an established guy, but my God, he's a, and the last job he had, he stunk. He was terrible. Oh, I I couldn't imagine the Jets bringing him back, bringing him in, bringing him back into the NFL to coach this team. Mike Shanahan, no way. 
Mike McCarthy, uh, I'd rather not at this point. Go get a Harbaugh. And really, one of the, one of the things I mentioned on the show last week, I said, you know what, Baltimore's going to roll now. Um, I don't know the Harbaugh, but I saw a tweet out today was they were a really good point. Um, you know, who's asking that very question, why in the world would you fire Harbaugh, John Harbaugh, if he makes the playoffs this year? Um, well, Ozzie Newsom's leaving there. And was it Eric DaCosta, I think, whoever it is, the, the replacement in Baltimore? He's, they just, they feel like there's a good chance. He's been waiting in the wings. He's been offered several jobs, and he has hung in Baltimore for years, turning down job offers. And this is his, next year will be his first as the general manager. And there are people that believe he wants to hire his own coach. That he's paid his dues, and once he's in charge, he's in charge. And that the, that Harbaugh and the Ravens may just do a, as they termed it, just a mutual parting of ways, like an actual legitimate one. Not when you see a, a team that just fires a guy, but they want to save him the public humiliation, and they just say it was a mutual parting of ways. Wanted to stay, you know, wanted to keep everything in his office and carry on. But it could be a situation where Harbaugh and DaCosta just look at each other and say, look, you know, this wasn't the original deal. Let's go our separate ways. And if that were to happen and Harbaugh comes to the Jets, then you better believe there's going to be some talk about restructuring or just how much input Mike McCagnan has. And, you know, would that be the case with a Mike Shanahan? I don't even want to talk. We're not even – we're not playing Shanahan again on here, unless he gets hired, in which case um, I think that will be my last show. Um, so I'm not – we're not even going to worry about that. But whether it's Harbaugh, McCarthy – or some new blood. That remains to be seen. But Mike McCagnin is the guy who is apparently going to be heavily heavily involved, which that's the part that makes me think it won't be a big name because Mike McCagnin, as is the case with any GM, is going to want to keep running the team. You know, listen, if you have a job that you love, that you've worked your whole life for, and your boss says, you know, we're going to hire a new whatever, are you going to point them in the direction of a guy that he might say, okay, well, he's taking some of your responsibilities. No, you're going to go with a guy that a guy who you believe can win, but a guy who you believe can win with you remaining in your position. So how that all unfolds, the uh, it'll all start in the next couple of weeks. It'll be some, I'm sure things will be uh, some ups and downs. There will be rumors, be you know some screens, all stuff that we when these things go on. Maybe you want to interview guys who are in the playoffs, and we know what a pain that is. I think there might have been some changes to that, actually, uh, after the, the the change of rule when a Patriot does something stupid, illegal, cheats, whatever. Uh, what's his name? Joshy. Josh McDaniel up in New England when he screwed the Colts over last year. I can't remember if they passed a, a rule, but uh, there were teams that were petitioning to say that, you know, assistance going on interviews – I, I'll, I'd have to look into that. I, just, I think there have been some changes or proposed changes in how candidates who are in the playoffs, and I think that was partly or a hundred percent because of the Josh McDaniel situation. Anyway, the Jets have the Packers this weekend at home. Packers shocking, zero seven on the year <laughs> under Mike McCarthy. 
Um, so make of make of that what you will. But the pack zero and seven on the road. Sam Darnold turned in as we said his best performance of the year. Picked the Jets in this game, but I just can't see. I mean, I can't see Todd Bowles finding a way to stop Aaron Rodgers. He hasn't been able to, you know, he, uh, he if if he couldn't slow down Deshaun Watson, I don't know that he'll slow down Aaron Rodgers. But uh, let's, you know, you know what? What the hell does it matter, right? Just for a little bit of fun, because they're zero and seven, and because they're the team's probably feeling pretty good about themselves, uh, despite. Well, last week they know their quarterback is coming along. Let's say, uh, let's say twenty-four, twenty-one. The Jets win on a last-second field goal. Going to say Sam plays well again, and the Jets defense keeps the heat on opposing quarterbacks, um, much like they did this week with Watson. And uh, let's see, let's see the Jets squeak out a twenty-four, twenty-one win. Thank you so much for tuning in, everybody. Sam Darnold appears to have arrived. Thank goodness for that. And we look forward to catching up with you next week.